Yeah, we're going to read 1 John chapter 1, beginning at verse 5, all the way to chapter 2, ending at verse 11. If we are all there, I will read. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But even if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is a word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the dark. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him There is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Please keep your Bibles open. Thanks, George. Uh, Well, hello, everyone. It's great to see you. You probably know this already, but fakes are big business. You can make a lot of money by selling fakes. Can anyone think of some things that you could sell and that you get lots of money from? Shoes, we've had that already. Anything else? Sorry? Diamonds. Diamonds, yeah, that's recent, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you can... You can... Okay. I didn't hear that, but... Um... Handbags, yeah, okay. Fashion, fake fashion. Um, a, count, a counterfeit version of something that would otherwise be really, really priceless is actually worthless, isn't it? 
Um, let me share with you this story um, that I had on the news this week. You might have seen this. Um, this chap, very unfortunate chap, uh, really sad because he ended up giving two, uh, $250,000 of money, or however much that is in pounds, uh, to what he thought was going to be his new wife. And uh, it turned out all to be a scam. And basically, even the wedding reception, 60 guests, he paid for the whole thing. It was all a scam. And the only person who, 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 who didn't know about it was him. And he, he put his heart on the line. He gave his heart away to this girl, uh, 20 years younger than him, uh, very attractive. And uh, he woke up, he saw, was in hospital on his wedding night, having been, had his drink spiked. And he ended up with, with nothing. Um, so, so this is real, isn't it? There are scams, and, uh, and they're very believable. They're hugely believable. That's what makes them so effective. Um, we've, we're in this letter, uh, which is the letter that John wrote, um, called 1 John. And um, the question is, if it was a question of a scam, a, a scam version of Jesus or a scam version of God, would we be able to tell the difference? Because we've just said, haven't we, that it's really hard to tell the difference. How would we tell the difference? Would we notice? Would we know whether the thing we've been sold is a fake? Or whether it's the real thing? Um, If you can tell the difference, then this has got to be much needed, hasn't it? Not just for people who are looking into Christianity for the first time, maybe that's you. Um, But also for Christians, Because actually, we're going to find out that John's concern here is that the Christians, the people who have the truth, may end up starting to doubt whether what they have is the real deal. I'll show that to you in just a moment, um, that that is John's concern. Uh, Actually, in chapter 3, he says, um, uh, I don't uh, let no one deceive you. Uh, He doesn't want them to be deceived. The stakes are high on this. And actually, if, if you get sold a fake, you're going to end up without eternal life. Not out of pocket, but out of heaven. So that's, that's got to say it matters, doesn't it? And so we want to be listening to what John has to say about this tonight. Why don't I pray for us that we do that, that we listen to, to God speak to us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you tell us what we need to know. Thank you that you are true. Would we be those who listen to you? Amen. There's two truth claims going on in this letter. One of them we've seen already, haven't we? It's John and the apostles. They're there in chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Last week we saw, didn't we, that they saw, they heard Jesus. They were there with him. That is the true message about Jesus. They saw him. And they said that he was the eternal son made man. He is both God and man, come in the flesh. Um, John stressed that, didn't he? And if you look at verse uh, uh, 3, it said, the goal of John sharing that proclamation, that that sighting of Jesus with them, is that that they would have fellowship, in verse 3. So that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And at our small groups, which we met in the week, we started to see evidence of a counterfeit claim to that. It's what John goes on to say about those who claim to have 
fellowship with God and claim to be able to offer that to others and yet they're still in darkness. They might not even realise they're deceived but they are. And John carries that fellowship word to contrast with those who claim to know God and yet are peddling a fake. What they're giving to people is not the real deal. That's why if you've read through 1 John, you would have picked up on loads of contrasting language like, um, like darkness and light and Christ and antichrist and children of devil and children of God. There's so much contrast in the language that John uses and that's because he's wanting to say these two things aren't the same. Then they're just not the same, they're completely different. He is at pains to show us that these two things are not the same. In fact, one will lead people to God, to fellowship with, with God, the Father, the Son, and the Son Jesus Christ, and the other will lead people to hell. John's purpose is to encourage and to safeguard those who already have believed this truth and are walking in the light. So, you pick up the warmth, don't you, in a positive way. He speaks to those he is writing to. What does he call them in uh, chapter 2, verse 1? My little children. What does he call them in chapter 2, verse 7? Beloved. What does he say of them in verse 8? He says, I'm telling you this, which is true in him and in you. And then uh, from verse 12 onwards, he says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. So the people John is writing to, he is confident that they are in the truth. But his concern is that they might begin to doubt that. Other people might share a message with them that contradicts that and causes them to question what they already have. They are in the truth, they have believed the truth, and yet they could be scammed and believe a lie. Yeah? So that's what he's doing. So he's going to give them his top two tests. These tests will test whether the claims are true or not. Of these other people, of whoever is making these claims, these two tests are going to help you and help me to see whether it's a real deal. Should we look at them? The first test is in verse 5. In both of these tests, John sets up his main kind of theme at the the start, and then he unpacks it. So in verse 5, what does he say? And, okay, so he's got a theological point. Theology is a big word, maybe, but it's, it just means study of God, really, theology. And so study of God, lesson number one, God is light, and in him is no darkness. And, and John applies that point. You know how light works, don't you? You're all sitting here, you can see me, I can see you. That's how light works, right? Um, if you're dusting your room, which you might not do, or I, I don't do it very often, so I don't know why I'm talking about it, but um, if your wife has dusted the room and you come in and you, uh, you say, thank you, darling, that's wonderful, you've done a great job at the dusting, and then you, what you do is you open up the massive double door curtains at the back and in floods the light, and suddenly you see, yeah, it looked pretty clean before, but there's dust everywhere. It's in the air. It's absolutely everywhere. That's what light does, isn't it? It shows what's really there. And John takes this 
image of God as light, in whom there is no darkness. And he draws the right application from it, which is God exposes sin. He exposes what we're really like. That's the application of that truth about God. However, the other people were using it to to peddle their message. That's the truth. God is light, in whom there is no darkness. When he is is there, when he shines in, in our hearts, he exposes what's really there. He brings sin to light. So, what does John say then? He says, if we say in verse 6, we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And then he says in verse 7, two things. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have, first thing is fellowship with one another. The second thing is, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So this is how John's going to apply that truth about God. He's going to apply it with not okay, so you better make sure you live a good life without sin. He's going to say, you've got, you've got to make sure that Jesus cleanses you of all your sin. And that's what you, that's what you need. Which is a countercultural thing, isn't it, to, to teach? Because most people would say, yeah, God is holy, God is good, he's perfect, so you better get on side with that. You better clean up your act. And yet that, he's not saying that at all, is he? He's saying what you need is your sin to be exposed, your sin to be confessed, your sin to be cleansed by someone other than you, by the blood of Jesus. Why is this going to be a good test for catching out what people are saying? Well, because sin is, is the one thing, the one subject that really shows whether God... Is, is really being taken seriously or not. And, and, and whether it's the true message about God. Because if people are saying sin doesn't matter on one hand, or that we can clean up our act and we can sort out sin, then that can't be what is true. That's like trying to close those curtains again, isn't it? And hide and pretend it's not there. Whereas God brings it all out in the open. And he does that so that we would come to Jesus, his son, to cleanse us from all sin that's why in chapter 2 verse 1 he says my little children I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin but if anyone does sin so the people he's writing to are Christians they're walking in the truth but he, he knows they sin he doesn't say you're not, going to sin, you're not going to sin he says you will sin and when you do you have one who pleads on your defence there's a, there's a courtroom, basically. The, you know, the father is the judge. The prosecution is everyone who says, this is your sin, this is what you've done, you deserve to be punished. And Jesus brings the testimony of his blood and says, you're acquitted, you're not guilty, you're innocent. So he is doing that on our behalf. And the father's saying, the father judge is saying, that's absolutely right. Um, so this is a wonderful thing, isn't it, that The truth is not to say we have no sin, but to come to Jesus with our sin. And walking in the truth is continuing to do that. Um, So that's the first test. What are people saying about sin? The second test is there in verses 3 to 11 of chapter 2. It says this. Uh, the second test is this, 
the commandments. John changes his topic a little bit, doesn't he? He introduces this theme in uh, in verse 3 of chapter 2. The commandments. Sort of a bit of a bolt out of the blue. He hasn't mentioned it before. But he says the commandments. And he starts off with his theme sentence. He starts off with... um, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. But the way in which he unpacks that truth is quite surprising again. Because what we'd expect... What we'd expect as his application from that is... Okay, well, you need to make sure you keep the commandments then. But it's not. Let's read it together. It says, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. And walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Did you see the shift in the language there? Started off talking about commandments, finished up talking about. No? Started off talking about commandments, what did it finish up talking about? Shall I read it again? I'll read just the end bit then. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. What's he talking about at the end there? Love. <laughs> right, okay. Love for your brother. So John takes this thing of, uh, yeah, those uh, who are in the light will keep his commandments. And yet the point that he draws out is love. How are you, are you, are you loving the brothers? It's quite important here to see that what I said before, which is that John is confident that the people he's writing to are those in the light. They are true Christians. That this is true of them. They are the people that he describes. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. It could, is it not that he's talking about those who might be out to deceive them? And saying this is the way that you'll be able to tell that they are not in the light. They do not have the truth because they do not have love for, for him, John. They don't have love for him and they don't have love for the apostles. So it exposes them. This is another of John's tests to help us not to fall prey to people who say, oh, I know God. Let me show you what he's like. Yeah. Because actually 
if it doesn't if it doesn't generate any love for others and for other believers, if actually they're hating other believers and divisive. Now have a look with me in, in chapter two, verse nineteen. It says this of them. They, he's talking about the, the, the deceivers. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out there. It might become plain that they are, not, they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you will have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no liar is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. So I think the second, second one is to expose the fact that they rejected the apostles. The people who knew Jesus, the people who were with Jesus, they've gone, they've left. He says that, doesn't he? They've gone out from us. That's pretty, I mean, if you want to demonstrate hate for someone, there isn't a much better way than saying, I'm out of here. If you hate your wife, your, your husband, there's not a better way of saying I hate you than leaving. And that's exactly what they've done. So they've made their, okay, they've made their um, statement clear. We hate. We don't, we, don't, we don't believe you. We're against you, John. We're against you, the other apostles. And, and we're starting out on our own. So he's, John's just clearly saying, look, you can tell by the fruit. You can see that they're not of the truth. Why is that? Well, I think it's because those who know they have been forgiven will love those whom God has forgiven. Those who know how much they've been forgiven and have been cleansed, will, the, the result is that they, it generates love for those whom God has forgiven, for other believers. That's just the byproduct, isn't it? It's, it's what God generates in us. When he shows us his love for us. And, and John is saying this is true of you. But if you want to see the, the, the charlatans. The ones who are trying to pull the wool over your eyes. This won't be true of them. They might pretend to love. When, it's go, when you, they want something from you. But they don't really love. And actually then they're not really keeping the commandments are they? Because the commandments are fulfilled by love. For God and love for your neighbour. That's what Jesus says, isn't it? The commandments can be summed up by this. Love God and love your neighbour as yourself. Um, we've been seeing, haven't we, that fakes are convincing. And a, a different or a slightly changed or altered message about Jesus, what they were saying was pretty big. He's not the Christ. He's not the one from God. Is just It may pretend to be the thing that you need, the thing that can bring fellowship with God, but it's not going to do that. And if you're not a Christian here today, or if you are a Christian here today, you need to know that. I need to know this. That it's just not going to bring fellowship with God. It's going to deceive even the people who are in it, because they won't be able to see what they're really like. And that's what John says, isn't it, in... Um, in verse 8 of chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
So the people who have the lie are just in, uh, deceived about themselves because they say they don't think they need Jesus, and yet they do. And, and it's even worse than that, isn't it? In verse ten, if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar. So you can't get much more confrontational thing that John is really ramping up here. He's saying, not only is it to deceive yourself, to be in the darkness if you say you have no sin, but it's to call God a liar. It's to say that God is lying. That he's not true when he t- tells you plainly that you are. Let's have a think about this. If you're not a Christian and you want to hear the truth about Jesus from those who actually knew him, that's what we've been reading, isn't it? John himself, the apostle, said this is who Jesus is. This is what he came to do. And yet, if you're on the lookout for those who help you to understand what you're reading, you do need to be discerning. It would be great for you to have at least these two criteria in your minds. What are these people saying to me about sin? And can, can I see that they actually really love each other? Or is it all just a bit of a, a show? What are they saying to me about sin? And do they really love each other? And if what they're saying to you about sin is that, well, they don't really talk about it or it's not really that much of an issue... Or if they're saying, hey, there's another solution and you just need to do this to, 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 to be right with God. That's not what Jesus is. Jesus is the one who dies on the cross so that his blood would cleanse us from our sin. And that's the only way. So if, if, if you hear even a little bit of another thing, you know it's not the real deal. You're going to be sold a fake. And it won't be priceless, it will be worthless. It'd be an absolute disaster for you. It will wreck your life. Don't go down there. Leave it well alone. Stick with Jesus. If the people that you, if that's hard to tell when you can't really tell what they're teaching you about sin, well, maybe you could look at how they are with each other. Do they really love each other? I mean, is it just a kind of, I think he's called George, might be Jeremy. Not sure. He definitely has been here before, but I'm not, I don't really know him. I don't really know what you do for a living. I don't really know. I, I don't care, to be honest. It could be that kind of thing. Where the people who are getting together as a religious group don't care less about each other. And guess what? You know they're in darkness. That's the other way you can tell is by their love for one another. Because Jesus says, those who have been cleansed from sin will have love for one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. And I'm pleased, I'm, I'm overjoyed to be part of a church where people do love each other. They serve each other, they do things for each other. It's the kind of church where you can pick up the phone and you could probably say, on a Friday morning at 6 o'clock a.m., George, have you got a, a spanner? And George is like, yeah, I think, I think I've probably got one, mate. I'll dig it out for you. And he's not going, fucking Rob, he's got, borrowed my screwdriver and he didn't give it back. 
He borrowed my saw and he didn't give it back. He's just like, yeah, I'll give you a spatter. It's a church where people serve each other and love each other and know each other. Because to deeply know each other is true love, isn't it? Not to just say, I couldn't care less who's next to me. Who's that girl at the back? Don't really care about her. Couldn't care less. Who who are you over there? No, don't know. Actually, I'm not even asking that question because I'm out the door. That's not those who have been brought into the light. The light of knowing Jesus as the one who cleanses us from sin, it generates love for one another, doesn't it? Love for those who have been saved as well. So those would be the two things. I think if you're not Christian, be on the lookout for. Whenever you go to a place, they say, yeah, we know God, we'll tell you about God. What are they telling me about sin and the solution? Do they love one another? I guarantee to you, if it's not the right thing, not the truth about Jesus, one of those things will be missing or, or wrong. And you'll be able to tell. Perhaps maybe you've come here tonight and you'd be one of those people who say, well, I know God. And I'm, I'm not going to suggest that I know whether you do or not. But it might be that you're still in darkness. That you believe the lie. That you've been told lots of things, but none of it has actually caused you to face up to your sin and to come to Jesus to cleanse you from that sin, to see your need of him. It might be you've been to loads of religious groups and loads of religious gatherings. You, can, you, can, you know more of the Bible than anyone else. But that in itself isn't the litmus test, is it? The test is whether you've confessed your sin and come to Jesus. Whether you're, whether you're sort of justifying yourself and saying, excusing your own sin and saying, I'm, well, I'm not as bad as everyone else, am I? And so getting comfort from that. Or whether you're saying, yeah, I am like that and I need, I need a saviour. And I guess that would mean as well that you could dot around a number of different places, different groups of people, but never really know anyone. Never really love and serve other Christians. And it is a a sobering thing to think, isn't it? You know, what does Jesus say? You know, that is the mark. What does this say? It is the mark of those who have come to know him. Um, So maybe if that's you, don't let this crush you, but come to Jesus. Know that he cleanses you from that sin. And ask him to do that today. Um, Perhaps you're a Christian. And I hope that John's words then have achieved the purpose that they intended, that he intended by them. I hope they've encouraged you that Jesus, as you have heard of him and received him from these pages, from, from the apostles, is the real deal. You don't, you don't need another version. When someone comes knocking at your door saying, here's, here's my version, you say, no thanks. Because this Jesus is the real deal. He is the one who I need. And he is the one who I can always count on before the Father to be my advocate when, I'm, when I sin, when I mess up. This is, this is it. Um, so 
Be reassured, be encouraged, don't doubt that he is the one, um, the true, true one that you need. And keep walking in the knowledge of that with others here. Keep encouraging others to keep walking with him and not to get pulled aside to other things. To keep coming back to him. Should we pray? Father God, we do thank you for this word. Thank you that um, we are not left on our own to, to work out what, what we're hearing and to work out what uh, one thing is from the other and to have this discernment. Thank you that you are in us by your Holy Spirit to, as we'll read in 1 John, to, uh, to give us the knowledge of what we need to discern these things. Please would, uh, something that I've said this evening, would something from what you say to us uh, that we take away, would that be something that causes us to see how wonderful you are? How good it is that you have uh, done what is needed for our sin. That we would willingly come to you, knowing that you cleanse us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.